say good morning to each of you this morning, and we uh, thank God to see your faces. We're so blessed. Some who are, some who are here today for maybe the first time in a long time. Some who have really desired to be here and um, are so blessed to be able to be here today for the first time. And we just thank God for each of you. We thank God for your testimonies because every single one of them is that because of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, he has made me a new creature in Christ. And we walk in that light of Jesus Christ today. I was, um, I was helping the brothers uh, over the last few days with the, the conference as far as the kind of the backstage of that Zoom presentation. There's, you'd be amazed at how much work goes into that to make it go smoothly and to go well. And I thank God for the talents of so many of our brothers and sisters that have contributed to that. Um, but as, as I was uh, even just listening to uh, our brothers yesterday on that, that seminar, um, a lot of the scriptures, and I, you know, certainly we always pray for the Lord's inspiration. We pray for the Lord to give us a message. And even over the past few weeks, um, reading, studying, taking notes. But yesterday, as, as the uh, brothers were wrapping up their, their message, it, it felt like just something just all fell into place. Like, oh, here's the message. And it's a follow on what the brothers had taught us, and even our brother AJ's words this morning, um, exactly in line with what we were thinking today. And so I would ask that uh, you would continually keep a prayer in your hearts that we might carry forward the message that the Lord is trying to give to us. So I, I uh, brother AJ asked for a title, and I titled it "Where Am I?" And it's a kind of a, a cryptic question. And uh, I'll get into that question in a minute. But the idea about where am I, how, how and when do we ask ourselves that question? And I'm thinking about um, if sometimes if you're away from home on a trip and you're overnight and you wake up, whether it's a hotel room or whatever the situation is, you wake up in, in, your, in your mind, you're in your bed at home, and you know what's to your left and to your right. And, but it, when you wake up in a, in a place outside of home, for a moment, sometimes at least, for, my, for me, for a moment, it's like, wait a minute, where am I? You know, why, is, why is there another bed in this room with two teenage girls sitting? And that's, of course, my two daughters. And you know, we're in a hotel or something. And, and I, you have to get your bearings like that. But this morning, the where am I, I'm asking us all to ask ourselves is um, a spiritual standing with the Lord. And I want you to realize the reason I didn't term it in, in the, um, the second person, where are you, is because, honestly, you don't have to answer to me. You don't have to satisfy me with the answer to that question. You just need to reconcile with yourself and with the Lord where you are with him. In the context of the word of God, in the commandments of God, in the teachings of Jesus Christ, and that's really all of what we've been um, encouraged to look to in the uh, messages and the seminars that our brothers have given us. You know, um, the thing about being away from home and, like I said, waking up and wondering where we are, um, when we do get back home into our own room in our own bed, I don't know if you're like me, but that's the most comfortable situation to be in um, when you wake up in the morning is to be back where you belong, where you feel you belong. And, you know, Jesus Christ said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, ye may be also. And this is uh, John, the 14th chapter, 
second and third verse. So that, that where I am, that you may be also, um, I want you to think of that as the ultimate home to be in. And we're not there. We, we look forward to that. And we hope to be there. And as much as, we, uh, as, as much as it breaks our hearts to see our dear loved ones go there before us, um, we hope to be there someday too. And, and that's our hope. And the Lord Jesus said, if it were not so, I, wouldn't, I would have told you. I'm, you, know, you can count on it. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that's kind of the where I'm talking about, you know, our eternal life in heaven. But there's also a where here, not a place, not Mesa, Arizona, or any other place on the face of the earth, but again, where we stand in our relationship with God. Our brothers yesterday um, used a lot of scriptures in the Bible and Book of Mormon. And there's, they even said there's many more scriptures. But they, they focused on prophecy. Prophecy of where, um, you know, what the Lord has foretold. What, what's going to be taking place in the end times, as we call it. Um, I, suppose every, I suppose every generation of time for that generation felt that they were in the end times. But we really do see a lot of prophecies being fulfilled now. And um, one of the things that we heard over and over again, not only yesterday, but we've been hearing this for a long time, is that the righteous need not fear. The righteous will be protected. The righteous will be in a place of safety, and the Lord will be in their midst. That's something that we can um, rest upon, even if we don't know the details, and we don't even know literally the where about that, but we can, we can be assured that if we're righteous and um, we're living according to the Lord's commandments, that we'll be in a place of safety. So, um, you know, what exactly does that, what does that word righteous mean today? Um, our brother Ken last week talked about um, safe, and the, the week before, Brother Tim talked about safe, and we played that song by our sister. It says, um, Something about safe is knowing the Lord and living a life that pleases him. That's the safe that I'm talking about this morning. And when we say to ourselves, where am I? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Um, am, I, am I living that life that pleases him? Am I upholding my end of the promise I made at the water's edge when I said I would promise to serve the Lord to the best of my ability all the days of my life? And that's a question that we can only answer for ourselves. But I hope that we would answer it in the affirmative and that we would realize that it's only through the Lord's strength and his grace that we're able to do that. But he does, he does um, allow us to start out with a desire. And he allows us to take that first step into the water's edge. You might say it's a new beginning of a new life. But it is, again, it's, it's, a, it's starting out to be in that place where we need to be. And, I, and I, um, I guess one of the things that, again, was, was brought forth, and one of the things I want to talk about today is that um, being in that place is something that perhaps sometimes in our natural mind we think, well, I can take care of that later. I can kind of be on standby, and then when it really needs to happen, it'll happen. I'll make sure that I'm, I make sure that I'll make sure quickly that I prepare and get to where I need to be. But Jesus' teachings don't promote that, and they don't really allow for that. And I was just going to, um, and I'm not going to read these scriptures, but I was reading in Matthew chapters 24 and 25, and I really don't um, 
I'll get to maybe one of the verses later on. But as I was reading, I started out with that parable of the five wise and five foolish virgins and the oil and the lamp. And I was going to go into that this morning. But as I was reading the, the chapter that preceded it and what followed it, I realized Jesus was like um, giving forth parable after parable after parable. And they all had a similar theme. And I'm not going to read them this morning, but there were actually seven uh, likenesses, I, I suppose you could call them. And that's a nice number for the Lord, seven. He always, he's up, he always works in sevens for some reason, and it just so happens there were seven of these. So I'm going to just kind of go a little bit without reading this uh, Matthew 24 and 25. I'm going to read um, a little bit of an excerpt of what the Lord um, talked about seven times. As far as being prepared, being in the right place with the Lord. First of all, he likened it to the days of Noah. And again, we're not going to go into the whole story of Noah's ark, but Noah preached repentance for 120 years while he built the ark. And in the end, when the Lord closed the door of the ark, only eight human souls were saved. It was Noah, his three sons, and his wife, and their wives. And, and what a sad thing that, that the, the message and the warning and the plea went out for such a long time. But there were those that were included and there were those that were not after the Lord closed the door of the ark. Another parallel or parable that the Lord spoke about was uh, a thief coming in the night unexpectedly. He said if the, if the watchman knew what hour the thief would come, he would have been like, you know, you know, all hands on deck, all points, bullets, and when that hour came. But the Lord said that's not how it's going to work. It's not going to be like on a schedule. It's like when the Lord comes, he comes, and we just have to be ready before, during, and after. We have to be ready through the whole thing. In another parable that he gave in these chapters, uh, talking especially about the religious leaders of his time, which, you know, when Jesus came to Jerusalem, um, the 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 practices in the temple and the, the, the religion that they were leading, um, it was not in a good place. They, they were the ones who, who, when the Son of God came into their midst, didn't recognize him and rejected him. So he likened the religious leaders to servants who were entrusted with their master's household and goods for a time. And while the master was away, they um, really abused that privilege of having that charge. They you know, to, to put it bluntly, they partied. They just, they, they um, let go of their responsibility. And beyond that, they abused the authority that they did have, and they, they um, lorded themselves over people. They raised themselves up over people. That was way, way beyond what was appropriate for the charge that he had given them. And the Lord said that when that master came back, he was, you know, he was not pleased with the condition that he saw that he had left his servants in charge of. And again, as I, and I referred to this earlier, he likens the kingdom to five wise and five foolish, foolish virgins who found themselves in two very different states of readiness when the bridegroom arrived. They were um, bridesmaids, you might say, assigned to this wedding feast and uh, the whole story about the oil and the lamps. And I'll talk a little bit about that later on. Another, you know, right in that same line of chapters, he talks about a master who dealt talents out to his servants in various amounts. And this talent was a unit of currency, like dollars or, or whatever you want to call it. But he dealt them out, five to one, two to one, one to another. And the thing is that 
he, re, he expected, after a period of time, he expected a return on that investment from each and every one of them, according to what he gave them. Whether, you know, whether it was five, he, he expected more. Whether it was one, he didn't necessarily expect as much, but he expected something. And, and that's another one of the parallels that, that um, we talk about as far as being, you know, where are we? Are we in the right place with the Lord? So um, another one of them here, here is, is um, he likens us to one who fed and clothed and aided and succored him unawares when we did it to the least of our fellow man. He welcomed, the, he welcomed those who he said, you, you know, when I was hungry, you clothed me. When I was naked, you, I'm sorry, when, you, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And we said, when did we do that? And he said, when you did it to one of the least of these, you've done it unto me. So this is what the Lord's looking for in each and every one of us. And there was a separation. There were, there were, in every single one of these cases, there were those that were ready and accepted and those that were not. They were, you might say they were caught off guard, but really uh, they had the same uh, expectation, the same warning given to them as the ones who were ready. So today I have to say, where am I in regard to these parallels? And am I taking this charge as seriously as I should. Um, you know, we, we talk about, um, I suppose, and this is, this is one of the things that came up in these seminars, people are saying, when is this going to happen? Can you give us a schedule? Can you give us a time frame? And all, you know, Jesus was asked the same question at, at various times. And I'm going to um, quote here Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 2 and 3. And I'm kind of going to take the middle, the second half of two and the first half of three here. But Jesus said to his um, followers, to those who are asking, he said, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. And he's saying, you know, you can, you can kind of predict the weather when you see the sky around you. And he's kind of telling us today and even then, the signs of the times. Look around you and you, you tell yourself, you ask yourself um, when these things will be. And again, the bottom line of all of this is we have to be ready. We have to be uh, prepared and ready for when that bridegroom comes. One of the things our brothers talked about, um, and this goes to uh, the book of um, Revelation in the third chapter, and this is the Spirit speaking to the churches, and the churches had their various... Um, indictments, you might say. And in the 15th and 16th verse of um, Revelation, the third chapter, this particular church, he says, you're neither hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm. And, and he says here, um, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And again, the Lord, is, he's just looking for... Um, and you know, I, you know, sometimes people have said, well, cold is bad and hot is good. But I think in this case, what the Lord is looking for is something that satisfies. And there's been times that uh, you know, what you really need is something cold. If, it's, if, you're, if you're hot and fatigued and dehydrated, you're looking for something cold to quench that thirst. And there's other times, and we might not, we certainly don't expect, experience it here in the valley as often as we might have when I lived back east. I remember walking... Um, I was going to school and working in New York for, the, for that time. I remember walking one afternoon. Uh, it was a mile, perhaps a mile or more. Um, 
and I was at the time where I was assigned was was actually New York City, and I, I had to bring something, and I could I could have gotten a cab, I could have gotten a subway. It was a winter day, it was very cold, but it was sunny, and the air was still. And I walked up Broadway Avenue, not, not the theater district Broadway, but it goes all the way down to the bottom. I walked up Broadway Avenue about a mile and a half, and at the end of my trip, I went into a coffee shop and I got a nice cup of hot coffee, and I, had to, I told myself, I said, this is the best cup of coffee I've ever had, because it was really cold, but it was enjoyable. I enjoyed it. And the Lord is saying, neither hot nor cold, you know, be one or the other, be something that brings satisfaction. But lukewarm, I don't know about you, but lukewarm just doesn't do it. Um, I remember that scene in that movie, uh, The Prayer, what is it, The Prayer Warrior, The Prayer Closet? War Room. War Room, that movie War Room, where the, the lady pours her friend or her acquaintance that lukewarm cup of coffee, just to make that very point. Like, she's, you know, she's saying, do you go to church? She goes, yeah, I go to church sometimes. And she drinks that lukewarm coffee. And that's exactly what the Lord is not looking for in us. He wants a commitment. He wants um, engagement from us. And this morning, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, um, and I don't think the Lord is either. You know, the good shepherd, he's not interested in guilting us into serving him. He's not interested in threatening us. He just wants our hearts. He wants us to serve him out of a heart of love and appreciation for what he's done for us. When we realize that Jesus Christ gave himself on the cross of Calvary as a sacrifice for our sins, um, and that he's forgiven us, and he's extended grace to us, not once, he extends grace to us over and over again. His mercies endure forever. And the Lord wants us to appreciate that, and he wants us certainly to extend that grace toward others this morning, brothers and sisters. Um, it's a hard lesson. It's been a hard lesson for me to learn. For whatever reason, I'm still learning it. But, oh, the grace of God, I can't, I can't say enough about it. What, it you know, what is it in your life, the grace of God? It, if you think about it, um, it certainly brings a heart of gratitude and a desire to serve him. And that's what I think the Lord is, is looking for from us. The, uh, going back a little bit to the five wise and the five, five foolish, ver, foolish virgins. There's a, a verse in there, verse 9. This is Matthew 25, verse 9. And um, I'm, I'm uh, kind of um, giving Micah a bad time this morning because I didn't give him any of these ahead of time because I wasn't sure what I would go to. But here... Uh, the, the, wise, you know, the wise virgins are being asked by the foolish ones because they don't have oil. They're saying, give us some of your oil. You know, we, we need some too. And they said, uh, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But, he says, but they said, go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And I just want to spend a couple minutes on that idea of buy for yourself. Purchase the oil for yourself. As I was... Um, Thinking about this, and, and what it really comes down to is that each and every one of us individually has to be responsible and take responsibility for keeping the oil in our lamps, for keeping the Spirit of God shining brightly in our lives. And so I was thinking of this, buy for yourselves, and I thought um, of that verse in Isaiah, the 55th chapter, verse 1. And, and this isn't really about oil, but um, in 55.1, and I'm not sure if, he, if we've got it up yet, but um, 
I've got it here really quickly. This just came to me kind of at the last minute. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Now, that's not oil in this chapter, but the idea is the Lord is telling us to, you know, tell, the, the five wise versions are telling the other ones, go and buy for yourselves. But the Lord is telling us, and I want us to understand, the Lord is making this, this uh, wine and milk and oil, I'll, I'll add to that, available to us without money and without price. And even during this pandemic, um, you know, I hope that you, have, you can realize, and I, and I know a lot of you have been able to take advantage of and enjoy the, the bounty of spiritual food that has been made available to us on uh, the, the different uh, media, the Zoom and the Blue Jeans and the different types of meetings that we've had online. Uh, and I know some of us, many of you in this room, have said on a Sunday we can go from one to the next to the next and maybe sit through three or four sermons and save up a few more for later in the week because we maybe don't have time to get through them. And um, we kind of laugh at our dear sister Betty She's on every single one of them, and, and she just enjoys it so much. It's, you know, I mean, I, from a child growing up, I remember Brother Jim and Sister Betty being at every event we ever went to in church because that was just their life. That was the example they set, and that was the legacy that they left and how, how good of an example it was to so many of us. And, even to, and again, to this day, our Sister Betty is, is continuing in that tradition and enjoying it, just feasting on the, the, the wine and the oil and the milk that the Lord is allowing us to have. So I hope and pray that we are taking advantage of the opportunity to have the oil in our lamps by, by not only logging into these meetings, but the word of God and the communion with God, the time we spend with the Lord, not only speaking in our prayers, but listening and meditating on the message that the Lord has for us. He's really made so much available to us and he's, you know, when we, when we um, I guess when we wake up and ask ourselves, where am I? I hope that we can find ourselves in a comfortable place in relation to our um, relationship with the Lord. I'm going to just um, talk a little bit more as I bring this to a close. Um, you know, the Lord is not a respecter of persons, and we hear about his mercy toward all people. He's so kind and we're so we're all so undeserving of his goodness and his grace but our but as we study the scriptures and as we understand in our own lives there is definitely a benefit to living in his will because when we do call out and when we pray he hears our prayers i think more quickly when we've been in an open and in an ongoing relationship with him and i'm not saying that he's not merciful to those who don't know him because he certainly is and he's not a respecter of persons. But if we have known him and we have neglected and kind of let go and slacked off a little bit on our maintaining ourselves in the place where we need to be, um, we can't expect him necessarily to answer our prayers as quickly. And, and in, the days in, in the days that we live in, we want to be, again, we want to be instant with the Lord. And not that we have any right to demand of him his attention, but he loves us so much. He just is so willing to have us, and when he has our heart, when he knows he has our heart, um, 
that just pleases him so much. One of the things our brother said in the, in the uh, webinars yesterday that I thought, it, was an, it impressed me, it left me um, with a takeaway, I think. Um, you know, they said that the word of God tells us the righteous need not fear, but they kind of amplified it, they kind of upped it a little bit, and they said the righteous should not fear, and then even went further than that to say that the righteous will not fear. In other words, to say that when we get to a state when we get to that state, that point in elevation, that we will not fear, then things that go on around us, you know, in the scriptures talk about destruction happening on the left hand and on the right hand. And, they, and the brothers said to us, the righteous will not fear. It's not, it's not a command, but they're just telling us that that's, that's how it's going to be. That's where we're going to be someday with the Lord. And it's, a, and it's up to each of us to make an effort to draw close to him to be in that place. So yeah, we do wish to be with the Lord for eternity in that eternal heavenly home. But while we are here, we can always strive. And we, we want to encourage you today, brothers and sisters and friends, to strive to be in a place of safety and complete confidence and trust in the Lord. And I know that you'll be blessed. May God bless you today. I'll say good morning again. And what a beautiful message we heard this morning. Um, and I have a question for you to follow up on Brother Anthony's message. Is When they translated the Book of Mormon, were there chapters and verses in the original writing? No. When the Apostle Paul wrote his letters, did he make sure that he penciled in all the verses and all the chapters that when he sent that out, they, would, they knew what they were reading. So it's something that we put in because this is how our mind works. It helps us organize things. But oftentimes we miss the boat. And sometimes we'll look at a scripture and we'll completely miss the meaning or the context because we didn't read the entire chapter before. Your brother Pete has preached about it. One of his great examples of this is you know, when the apostles were bickering over who's the greatest. You know, if you just read that scripture... Yeah, you get some insight into it. But if you read the entire chapter before then, you see all the back and forth between the 12. And all of the things that led them up to Jesus Christ, you're kind of putting them in their place in that scripture. And then here we are, Brother Anthony pointed out, two entire chapters of Jesus Christ repeating himself over and over and over again about being prepared. And how many of, of us in our lives procrastinate? And my hand goes up because I'm the biggest offender in the room. And over and over again, well, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll put that off another day. I'll call them some other day. And over and over again, I procrastinate. And spiritually speaking, we all do this. Well, I'll ask God about that need tomorrow. I'll pray tomorrow. I'll fast tomorrow. I'll read tomorrow. So all of these things, we say, maybe another time, God. Or when God prompts us to maybe reach out to a brother or sister, I'm kind of busy today, Lord. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next week. 
And over and over again, both in our natural lives and our spiritual lives, we procrastinate and we put off what the Lord has put on our hearts and on our minds. And the Apostle Paul writes, says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Your brother Anthony so beautifully pointed out today, where are you today? Today is that day. If you have not committed yourself to Jesus Christ, if you have not asked for your baptism, today is that day. If you have broken homes, if you have broken relationships, today is that day to mend them. Do not procrastinate these things. You have two chapters, as Brother Anthony pointed out, of Jesus Christ over and over again beckoning you, pleading with you, be ready. Don't put off these things. Fix these things in your lives. Find the sin. Cast it out. Find these relationships and mend them. If you haven't committed to Jesus Christ, make that commitment. Do these things now. Because tomorrow may not come. You may not have that opportunity tomorrow. So why would you let that day pass? So I thank God for the message. I thank God for his providence and his reminders to us that he is with us, that he is working with us. Let's not put off those times. Let's not put off those opportunities to love one another. Let's not put off those opportunities to grow closer to Jesus Christ. And may he bless us today in our service. May he bless you this week. So we're going to close in prayer as we say goodbye to our group that's virtual. And then we're going to transition into our um, prayer request uh, portion of our service today. So let's all bow. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the beautiful message. And Lord, I pray that every day that we might look inward individually, that we might find our shortcomings, Lord, that we might bring them to you, that we would turn them over to you, Lord, because we are nothing but filthy rags. We know that you are the one who gives us strength, that you are the one who gives us peace. You are the one that gives us power to overcome these things. And I pray that you might strengthen each and every head that's bowed today. Lord, that we might grow closer to you and that we might not procrastinate the day. That we might not procrastinate the day of salvation, Lord. That we not, may not procrastinate the day of love and forgiveness. In our homes, Lord, in our families, in our relationships, Lord, we love you so much. We thank you. I pray for the many who are sick and afflicted uh, that you might go to their side as well. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.